Welcome to Backstage with Zadul. I'm your host Kishore from Zadul's very own marketing team and this is a podcast where we share eventful stories from thought leaders across industries to give you epic insights into the world of events and beyond. Hi guys, welcome back. Welcome back. It's time for episode 8 of Backstage with Zadul. And this time we're featuring Dave Daba, who is the CMO of RoboCorp and a seasoned marketer. Uh we had a lovely conversation with him where he spoke about everything from being passionate about marketing as a kid, you know, being curious about how brands put themselves out there. Uh right from there to his experience with the virtual and hybrid world. So without further ado, I'm going to take you right to the conversation. So Gear up and enjoy. Happy to be here. Um big fan of uh of um of what your company is doing and uh was was super excited to be on the show today. Awesome. Super glad to hear that. So to start off, I thought it'll be a good idea to kind of uh, hear from you about your journey so far. uh into the marketing space and the different companies you've worked with uh, in in your own style so please go yeah i uh i i like to say it all started uh uh back in a in a in a barn on a farm in uh in the state of minnesota uh when i was born um <laughs> some uh, some uh, 40 or 50 years ago i'll let you do the uh do the math on that um but uh my my kids have uh have have uncovered that I was actually born in a hospital not in a barn but uh that I started my um uh a uh, career in uh in marketing you know, a long time ago uh, I sort of grew up in a family where a uh, business and 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 marketing and uh marketing analytics and analysis was was sort of the norm. Um, you know, back at back in the day my my friends would get copies of Sports Illustrated. Um there was there was another magazine called Sport and um I was getting copies of Ad Age and uh and 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 Media Week as as a child. So, um sort of grew up um, you know, hearing all about brands, um what makes a brand um how to bring a brand to market um and you know um uh, lots of uh, interesting things from a, a finance perspective on on what it really costs um uh, to bring something to uh to market on both the uh consumer and the B2B side um uh I'll sort of go quickly here you know into um into my um ex- work experience into the uh, uh Silicon Valley I uh, made my way up to the Silicon Valley back in uh, May of 2000 um and joined a um uh, a startup um which was called Email Labs um and um so this is uh what I would call the second wave of uh, email marketing ESPs um that had hit the market and it was a a great education um you know working with email labs um and and some of the other companies i worked with after that as well um in the uh email space um and so i learned a lot on the uh sales uh, business development um and and marketing side 
um, through those uh, through those um, uh, eight years I spent in the uh, in the ESP space, um, and really trying to uh, trying to figure out how to um, how to compete with a lot of competition um, was uh, was definitely one of the uh, uh, early lessons I think I learned in the um, in the Silicon Valley. Um, you know, how do you set your brand apart? Um, what is it that um, makes somebody want to purchase your product over somebody else's product? Um, and having had a, a bit of um, a, a sales background and a business development background sort of coming into the, uh, into the Silicon Valley, um, I felt like that really benefited me um, a lot. And, and one of the things I tell um, you know, young marketers today when, when I get asked and it's the best, you know, like to hear from somebody that um, is, is just graduating from college. Um, you know, I say, you know, don't don't be afraid to go into sales uh, for for a couple of years, you know, experience what the salespeople are experiencing. Um, and that will make you a, a far better, especially B2B marketer, um, if you can do that. Wow. That's a fascinating insight. And uh, interesting to note that you always had the curiosity to get into marketing before you started working, even as a kid, as you said. So yeah, it's awesome yeah, that I, you do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was it was fascinating, you know, because like you'd be reading, you'd be reading about products and then, you know, uh, two, two months later, you'd actually see the television spot. Um, you know, uh, you know, come up and, and so it was, uh, um, you know, you felt like you had some, some inside sort of knowledge about, um, what was happening with, um, you know, brand development, um, even at a, even at a young age. Um, I, I, I think like, you know, marketing in the, um, uh, marketing B2B brands is, um, and I've said this on other shows in the past and, and I've, I've taken a little bit of, uh, uh, flack. Um, if, or if you will, or Slack uh, for the statement. But, um, you know, I always say marketing B2B brands is, is really hard, um, you know, significantly harder uh, than, um, you know, marketing a consumer brand. Um, those are, you know, sort of two different things um, entirely. And um, a lot of what we've, um, we've seen with some of the really successful big brands in in the silicon valley and in the enterprise software space over the years is they end up using um, a lot of consumer marketing tactics um, to put their brands into um, into the marketplace and um, that's great you know when you're um, you know ibm and you have um, you know uh, you know 100 million dollar you know television budget um, for a 12 month period but when you are a, a startup in the B2B space, um, you know, how do you really get your brand message out um, in, in an effective way? And um, I think, you know, over, over the years, that's something I've gotten, you know, pretty good at um, trying to figure out. Awesome. And uh, I'm sure like most of us, the last couple of years must have changed things a bit. Um, like going through the pandemic, how, how much of this had to be redefined in the B2B marketing space to kind of adapt to these virtual and hybrid ways of things? 
Yeah, it was the, you know, I mean, we all experienced this. It was, it was definitely a, the, the sky is falling, <laughs> you know, sort of, a, a sort of, a sort of thing. And, um, uh, I mean, uh, you know, in the United States, the only um, uh, sports broadcast was it was a game of horse, um, which was um, uh, uh, which was done via Zoom um, okay. between, you know, a WNBA player and an NBA player. And they, they ESPN set up a whole tournament around it. And that was live sports, you know, during the uh, uh, during the pandemic. Um, but in 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 the business world, I think there was. Um, uh, a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty. We just didn't know how things were were going to work out. Now, as as somebody that has been working in a, in a home office, you know, on and off for ten years, I wasn't terribly concerned about the home office experience. Um, you know, I, I was I was um, certainly happy to um, not have to drive an hour and a half each way. Um, to, to, to get someplace. Um, and so the real question was, you know, how do you, how do you work with a, a diverse team um, and, and make sure that there's still those, um, which, which I think is really important, those water cooler moments um, uh, between you and your, your colleagues? Because the work is the work. Um, and you know you've got your project management system, and you've got your goals, and you you know if, if you're running a well organized um, team, you know everybody knows what they're supposed to go do, and they're either doing it or they're not, and it, it becomes pretty obvious and easy to manage. Um, but the, the the water cooler moments, the um, ability to um, uh, connect with your team members. Um, you know, that was definitely an adjustment, I think, for a lot of people. Sure. And um, how uh, how did you leverage, uh, say, technology to kind of achieve that? Was it like uh, something that was sort of a challenge initially or uh, something that came naturally uh, to you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. I, I you know, it's, it's sort of funny, too, because you look back on... Um, the, the, the COVID era, and it, it seems almost so long ago now, yeah. um, you know, and it, and it's, and it's not, um, it, it, it really isn't. Um, I, I think, you know, um, I, I definitely try to put more of an importance on project management systems um, and, and really making sure we were, um, uh, you know, trying to keep everybody aligned uh, with what everybody was um, supposed to be working on. Um, it does become really challenging if you have a international, uh, an international team. So if you have a, if you have a marketing team um, uh, that has you know 40 plus employees in it and they're spread out across you know five different continents and, um, and you're trying to figure out how do I get two more people on the other two continents? Um, and you, 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 you're trying to figure out, like, how do you how do you manage all of this, and how do how do you bring this all together? So, you know, the um, the the team meetings became really important. Um, the the um, individual one on one uh, conversations became very important. Um, I think, like, designing things um, was difficult, um, and we 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 definitely um struggled um i struggled with that at, at times um and 
So, you know, if you're doing a website refresh or if you're uh, trying to put together a new explainer video, um, you know, trying to get that sort of like mocked up in a way um, where, you know, before something goes into production, you feel comfortable <laughs> about what you're, what you're spending time and money on um, was, um, was uh, definitely at times a, a leap of faith as opposed to, um, you know, something more than that. Because in the old days, um, you know, the web designer, a graphic designer, a UI person, and myself and some other team members could have sat in a room with a whiteboard and we could have spent two weeks, you know, just talking stuff through in person. And that was hard to do, um, you know, out of the gate um, with, um, with Zoom um, and Zoom technology. I think we, we overcame it, but it, um, it took some time to adjust. Sure. Yeah, that's understandable. And uh, from a marketing perspective, uh, did you, uh, how was the experience, like, say, launching a product or something uh, to, like, a virtual or a hybrid uh, audience? Different yeah. from how the classic approach was. <laughs> you know, um, truthfully, it was fantastic. You know, I mean, like, I, I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to burn, you know, 100K uh, to fly a team out uh, to an event that might or might not be the right event for us. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of quickly learned that, um, uh, you know, virtual events, if, if done right, uh, if, you, if you managed the expectations of what you were, you were looking for uh, from those events, um, then those things were potentially going to be wins for you. Um, and you, you just don't like know what's going to work and, and what's not going to work, um, from a, an event and a, and a product release standpoint. Um, so, you know, that gave you, um, you know, virtual events and webinars and, um, uh, you know, those things give you a lot of, um, opportunity post event as well. Um, uh, so we, um, we, produce our own podcast uh, at, at the company I'm at, um, uh, which is, uh, you'll love the title, RoboCorp and Beyond. Um, and uh, um, and uh, uh, so we, um, you know, in, in order to, um, you know, we'll, we'll shoot an episode, we'll release it, um, and it will, it will go out into the world. Um, and so, you know, the hope is, you know, that, you know, you get a couple hundred listeners you know you eventually build some sort of following behind it um and you'll be successful um a podcast is is much like a recurring event um and you have to be willing to um to to sort of throw some i, I think some dollars behind it in in order for it to be um uh to be for it to gain some sort of attention uh as, especially in a world where um you know, everybody and their brother and sister has multiple podcasts that they're producing also. So, you know, you, you do need to um, uh, consider the, the promotional dollars. And so when we, we got back to events during the, uh, the, the, the pandemic, um, you know, really uh, not just spending money on the uh, event, you know, before the event, um, uh, during the event, 
but actually getting um, content out of the event that could be repurposed and reused um, down the road um, was was definitely um, definitely key. This was Backstage with Zadul. If you'd like to hear more episodes, don't forget to subscribe. You can also listen to our episodes on Spotify, Google, or wherever you stream podcasts. Don't forget to visit zadul.com to know more about how you can begin humanizing events.